0: Well, it's been a pretty good morning, amen? Amen. You know, sometimes churches get real fuzzy in terms of what they're about, fuzzy about mission, and we're involved in a lot of different things, which are all wonderful and great things, and yet when we have a morning like we've had today, where we see three precious men and women at various stages of their life give their lives to Christ, it reminds us again of what we're really all about. And so I know you'll want to welcome these precious brothers and sisters into our family. We also want to welcome another uh, family into our midst today. We want to welcome Chris and Brittany Weeks and their son, Cohen, to our congregation. They've been visiting with us for quite some time. They've gone through our new member process, and uh, so they're joining us today. So let's welcome the Weeks, shall we? Uh, And then also we want to uh, rejoice uh, with Justin and Tiffany Harris. Uh, They baptized... Uh, their daughter Justin baptized their daughter, Matilda Harris, on uh, this past Wednesday night. So isn't that great news? Awesome. Well, it seems to me this year it's been a specially difficult season for the flu. Uh, I have met a number of people from our church who've been out several weeks uh, for the flu. Maybe a number of you have had the flu. And yet I don't know that I can ever remember a time where it seems like the flu's affected as many people. I, I know we've probably canceled school at some time in my life, but I don't have a memory of it. Uh, and just several weeks ago, um, so many kids were out from the flu. A couple of our local schools uh, canceled school. Uh, and while the flu is, is uh, an important and, and is a troubling illness, especially this strain of the flu, uh, there's, there's another illness that's kind of running rampant this time of year, and maybe some of you have heard about it. Uh, More than likely, the women really know about it. It's uh, called the man cold. How many of y'all have heard of the, the man cold? Now, the definition of the man cold is this. It's an illness that causes the male to be helpless and sicker than any other family member. Man cold is very different from a woman cold. Uh, this picture that you're going to see right now on the, the screen kind of kind of shows you the difference between a man cold and a woman cold i mean here here's a man he's in bed you know you got to read him the last rites it doesn't look like he's going to make it uh, i see some of the men doing this right here and yet the women they have the same cold and and they're you know they've got the suit on they've got the baby and they're they're heading on on to work it seems like they're a little tougher than us sometimes and, and so sometimes when a man has a cold, now I know this is not true for everybody, but this is true for some men, it, it seems like they may not exactly want to get over it. There's a sense in which sometimes it's advantageous to remain in that situation. After all, we get a whole lot of attention when, when, when we're in that situation. And this brings us to our passage in, uh, in John chapter 5. We're in a series called Seven Questions Jesus Asks. And one of the things I realized as I began reading through the Gospels this year in a kind of a serious way, I mean, every day I'm reading the Gospels. And what I've noticed is that Jesus asks all these interesting questions, not so much so that he can find an answer, but so that we can grapple with these questions and we can find an answer. And so the very first question we looked at uh, three weeks ago was that question where Jesus looked at Peter and he said, "Who do you say that I am?" That's kind of foundational to all the rest. And then a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that moment in Jesus' ministry when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples and he was asleep and this fierce storm came up. And finally they awakened Jesus and said, "Lord, don't you care that we're about to perish?" And then Jesus looked at those in the boat and he said, "Why are you so afraid?" It's a great question because so many of us live our lives out of a sense of fear. And then last week, Wilson, in a very eloquent way, looked at the question why do we doubt? And we thought a little bit about what's at the root of our doubts and and how that really doubt is a part of faith. And today's question, at first blush, might seem odd, it might seem strange, The, the answer might seem obvious. Jesus asks a man who'd been sick for 38 years, do you want to get well? And so that's our question for the morning. And so in John chapter 5, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. During these festivals, people came from literally all over the world, and so Jerusalem would have been teeming with people. And as John narrates his story in John chapter 5, He tells us how that there's this gate called the sheep gate and near the sheep gate was a pool what is the sheep gate it's that gate where they would open it and the sheep would come in those sheep that would be used for sacrifices in the temple now i don't know but as i was reading this this week it thought to me it thought i thought to myself it seems a bit odd that there's a pool right near the sheep i I don't know it seems like there ought to be some separation it appears to me that sheep and a pool don't quite mix but that's beside the point This area in the temple court was also called Bethesda, which means house of mercy. And this was a place where men and women would come and they would gather around this pool. There were five covered colonnades, so John tells us. These five covered porches were places that when it got really hot, these men and women would maybe move under the porch. And as John now narrates the story, he tells us there were all kinds of people there. There were all sorts of sick people. There were lame people. There were blind people. So imagine what it was like around the pool that day. There's some people who have to be helped to the pool because they can't see. They don't want to fall into the water. There are people with shriveled, shriveled limbs. Uh, there's some people there who experience convulsions. And so at some point, you know, their bodies would begin to writhe and, and stiffen. There are people there who were carried on mats and cots and people with canes and crutches. The smell of ointment is in the air. And there was this thought, just to tradition, this thought that when the water began to move, the first person in the water would be healed. They thought it was an angel's wing that would begin to stir the water. More than probably in all likelihood, that pool was fed by some under ground spring and so it would begin to gurgle and move at times and as it did you can imagine this vast crowd i mean this is a vast area hundreds and hundreds of people would be gathered around this pool and as the water begins to stir the crowd would surge and everyone would jump into the water because they thought the first person in the water well that person would be healed so jesus is here that day and he's looking around and he sees the crowd but i love what john does because John, John zooms in and focuses more closely on just one person. This one man who'd been laying there, as we said a moment ago, for 38 long years. He has been in this condition so long, he can't remember what it was like to function in any other way. He can't remember what it's like to walk or to work. And so Jesus sees him. He's lying by the pool on this mat. And Jesus asks him this question. He said, Do you really want to get well? Do you want to get well? Now that question almost sounds insulting, doesn't it? Do you want to get well? It's like asking someone who has no money, Do you want this hundred dollar bill? It's like asking someone who is hungry, Do you want to go with me down to the seafood buffet? It's like walking into the De Novo Hospital and, and walking down the first floor with all the rooms and just walking down that floor and saying, hey, does anybody in here really want to get well? And so we think we know the, the answer, right? The answer could not be more obvious. But the man's response to me is striking. He doesn't respond with a resounding yes, of course. I would love to walk. If I could only get up, my life would be would be mine again. But he doesn't say that. When he responds, he begins to offer excuses and circumstances. As I read this text this week, I thought to myself, I wonder how this man said these words. I wonder how it sounded. And I think when Jesus looked at this man, he'd been there, been sick for 38 years, and said, you want to get well? Here's, what I, here's how I think it may have sounded. Here's what he said. He said... I have no one to help me when the water is stirred. When I try to get in, everyone goes ahead of me. You detect just a little bit of whine in his voice. He doesn't respond with a yes. No, he begins immediately to make excuses. He says, I have no one to help me. And I think of that response, Really? I mean... You've been coming here for 38 years. You have no one to... I mean, you can't walk. You're on a mat. You have no one to help you. Who has carried the mat to the place? At the end of the day, who picks you up and carries you back home? I mean, really? You have no one to help me? That's that's what he says. Everyone gets in ahead of me. In this message series, one of the things that I've wanted to do is to let Jesus ask us the questions. Because you see... It becomes only a sermon when we begin to look at ourselves a little bit. This talk becomes a sermon when maybe we start to grapple with that question, do we really want to get well? It's a question I've asked myself all week. I mean, I'm like you. Every one of us in this room has broken places. Every one of us in this room have some fallenness, struggles, issues. And I I realize we we come here on Sunday mornings and we get dressed up and we put a smile on our face and when we say, how you doing? The response is what? Fine, that's exactly right. We come into this place and we may not be fine. We may not be very well. But somewhere along the way, we've come to understand that that church is really not, not, it's not the place for me to be honest. Church is not the place... For me to say how I'm really doing. And so this week I've been asking myself all all week, do I really want to get well? Do I want Jesus to change and affect all the areas in my life that are not healthy? You may, like this man in our story, feel like you're just a little bit stuck in your situation or condition. Sometimes there are some reasons we don't say yes to Jesus. Jesus comes to us he says, do you want to get well? And when he asks us, do you want to get well, it might have to do with our marriage. Maybe some of you right now are in a, in a tough marriage, a difficult marriage. There's a, some unhappiness there. And Jesus comes and says, do you want to get well? Do you want a, a healthy marriage? Or maybe, maybe you've come into this place and honestly, you have an addiction that no one else knows. you kept it covered and hidden. And Jesus comes to you and says, do you want to get well? Or you may be coming to this place and you struggle with an attitude or a behavior that's not healthy. Maybe it's another relationship. Maybe it's with your kids. And Jesus asks, do you want to get well? And sometimes we don't say yes. Sometimes we're we're prone to make excuses just like this man in our story. We come up with excuses of why we're different or why it won't work. You've been stuck so long, you can't, like this man, you can't imagine anything different. I think I told you before that every time David Dearman, there he is, every time David Dearman asks me to speak to the graduation ceremonies of our new life behavior classes at the jail, I have a similar message that I give. And, and one of the things that I always, one of the verses I always quote is Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26 with, where it says, with God all things are possible. And it's easy, especially for members of that New Life Behavior class to say something like, well, it's, it's my addiction, that's why I'm stuck. Or it's my raising, I come from a horribly dysfunctional family, that's why I do what I do. Or, or we may say, well, I've never had the opportunities, or I was abused as a child. And, and all of that is true, probably. But listen very carefully to me. Your past does not have to define your future. Your past does not have to dictate what happens right now. You don't have to stay stuck in old ways of thinking and living because with God, all things are possible. And that's what I tell those men and women. With God, all things are possible. The gospel makes me incredibly hopeful. Just a few moments ago, when you saw these three men and women, if, if they all had an opportunity to share their stories, and I'm privileged to know a part of their story. If you heard their stories, you you would you would be amazed and astounded. But every one of us has a story, and we can all get stuck. But the gospel says we don't have to be stuck. And so if we want to get well, the first step is... To stop making whatever excuse or excuses we've made. And the next step is to say yes to God. You see, what Jesus says to this man next is astounding to me. Jesus says, do you want to get well? He begins making up all these excuses. And it's almost like, like Jesus is not listening to those excuses. He's not listening to what the man says. Jesus doesn't, by the way, say to this man, be healed. And immediately he feels the power of God move throughout his body and his feeble legs and he stands. He doesn't say to this man, um, here, let me get a little closer to you. Uh, l- let's, let's move you closer to the water. Now let's watch. When that water starts to gurgle, I'm going to roll you into the water. You're going to get in first. That's not what he says or does. What he says is amazing to me in this passage. What he says to this man, he says, get up, take up your mat, and walk. Understand, this man has not been able to walk for 38 years. Jesus tells him, he really commands him to do the impossible. He's not walked in 38 years, he can't walk. And Jesus says, get up, take up your mat, and walk. And so you know what he does? He hears these words from Jesus. Doesn't even know who Jesus is. And he stands. And he's able to do something he hasn't done in 38 years. So here's the question I've wrestled with some, and I want you to wrestle with it today, too. I wonder what is Jesus telling you to do? You want to get well. You may feel today helpless and hopeless. You may feel stuck. But here's what I believe. If you, will, if you will cooperate with the Lord is that with, with what the Lord is asking you to do, if you will heed the Lord's words, it's amazing. You'll be able to do things you never thought you could do. And so Jesus may be saying to us, get up, you're struggling with sin, maybe. Maybe you're struggling with a sin that you, I mean, it's been a part of your life. And, and maybe you've, you're resigned to this sin. Maybe you've said to yourself, this is, just, this is just who I am. You know, I'd love to deal with this sin, but I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, you know, I've just, it's, I'm in this rut so long. Maybe what the Lord is saying to you this morning, get up, get with a mature brother or sister and begin praying and reading the Bible with him and let them hold you accountable. <clears throat> or maybe you're struggling in your marriage and you've just said, my marriage is going to be mediocre. My, I'm just, we're just going to be roommates. <clears throat> My marriage, it's just, it's, bad, it's a bad marriage. Maybe what Jesus is saying to you is, get up. You go find a, a biblically-centered marriage counselor that you can meet with every week that will, that will help you learn how to love each other in the ways that God is calling you to love each other. Maybe, maybe you're struggling, as I said a moment ago, with some sort of addiction. And maybe the word from you today, God is saying, Jesus is saying to you, get up and find a recovery group and be committed to that group. Do you really want to get well? If we wish to get well, we've got to stop making excuses. We need to listen to what the Lord tells us to do. And then there's one last thing. And that's we need to live into this brand new life. There's one other detail that I found amazing as I read this week. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. He tells the man, get up, take your up your mat, and walk. Take up your mat. Why take up your mat? Jesus says, you pick up that mat, and you start walking, Because, you see, you've been here 38 years. Someone has had to carry you in on that mat and sit you down, and you would stay there all day, and someone would pick you up and carry you back home and sit you down. Jesus says, you pick up that mat and walk. Somebody's carried you in on that mat. Now you walk out with that mat. He's saying, you're not going back there again. I want you to live into the new life. Don't come back here. You've been here, you've been carried by other people, attended to by other people. No, no, no. You, you stand up, and by God's power, he healed him. You pick up your mat, and you walk. I wonder, I wonder if this man got real comfortable being right here. He got real comfortable. Everybody cared for him, helping for him. Oh, poor, poor man. Poor, he's, so, he's so pitiful. And yet, yet Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new life. I want you to live into that new life. Now you are empowered by the Lord to walk. I have great things in store for you. And this story, it really ends in a fascinating way. The man is healed, and Jesus slips away into the crowd. He, He doesn't know who it was that healed him. You see, this is not a story about the man's ability. This is not a story about the man's power. No, this is a story about God's power. This is a story about God's healing of this man. But the story ends in a fascinating way. He slips out of the crowd, uh, slips away, Jesus does. And so this man, he goes on his way, and the next time we find him, guess where he is? He's at the temple. Now I wonder, what brought this man back to the temple? I think he's back at the temple because he wants to praise God for this incredible thing that's that's happened to him. Now he can walk and now he can praise God. But Jesus isn't done with his man yet. Understand, this was a Jewish feast day. So we're thousands and thousands of people from all over the world. It would have been a huge crowd, much larger than this room. And so imagine, Jesus goes to the temple and I believe because it says Jesus found the man, I believe Jesus was looking for the man. And it may have taken some effort as Jesus is going through the crowd. He's looking, he's searching, and finally, he sees the man. And I love what this passage says. When Jesus sees him, Jesus says to him, see, you are well again. He'd been well before. Something happened in his life, and now for 38 years he was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. He's well again. And then Jesus says these very powerful, indicting words. He says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. In John's Gospel, it makes clear that sin is not always associated with suffering. Sometimes suffering comes, and it's not because of sin. It's not because of anything we have done. It it just happens. We live in this fallen, broken world. Sin is set uh, set loose in our world, and so sometimes it affects us in powerful ways. But sometimes, sometimes sin does bring on our own suffering. And so I wonder, what happened in this man's life? What was his story? Something happened. And I don't think his life has changed. Oh, his life has changed. He can walk again. He's in the temple thanking God. But then Jesus says, Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. What could happen to a man that's worse than not being able to walk for 38 years? Maybe Jesus has in mind something physical. Maybe he's gone back to an old lifestyle. And maybe Jesus is saying, hey, stop sinning, or this, something even worse than your, your paralysis is going to happen. Maybe he has that in mind, but here's what I think he has in mind. John always has kind of a deeper level, a deeper meaning. I think what Jesus is saying, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. I think he's saying, you've been healed. You've been given a new lease on life. Now would you turn to God? What, what's worse than not being able to walk, not walking with the Lord not being right with God, spending an eternity apart from God is far worse than being paralyzed. I talked this week with a good friend of mine by the name of Ricky Gray. He preaches for a church in Georgia, and he was telling me the story about a man who has ALS. And he said, this man had not been a follower of Jesus, but he wasn't long for this world so people were talking to him. His wife was talking to him. They studied the Bible with him. And Ricky told me about the night that he was baptized. And he said, what an emotional time it was. His wife was there. Kids were there. He baptized this, this, this older man, pulled him up out of the water, and then his wife said something interesting. His wife said, I just wish God would heal him and my friend said he just did this morning are you ready to experience the healing that only Jesus can give are you ready to stop with the excuses are you ready to listen to the words of Jesus are you ready to live into this this new life that Jesus offers all of us Are you ready to take up your mat and walk? Or let me ask the question the way Jesus does. Do you want to get well? I mean, really? Today, if you want to get well, I'd love for you to meet me down front. Today, if you would like to talk with a shepherd. And his wife, they'll be in the back corners. They would love to help you get on this road to healing in real life. Today, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sit. Lord.